0: a way to make an existing technology that's already broadly applied and available much much more sensitive so ultra sensitive Um, and that brings new utility to those systems that are already
1: Welcome to this episode of Speed of Life. This is a podcast series exploring the rapidly growing life science industry and its role in innovation for a healthier and more sustainable society. My name is Abe, and I'm co-hosting this episode with my colleague Diana. Thanks for tuning in today, and let's dive in.
2: Hello to all the listeners of this podcast and a warm welcome to our two guests today, Johanna Magnusson and John Reski de Dumnik uh, from Kavidi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you happy very much. To be here. We are happy to have you here. Would you please start with introducing yourselves?
3: Yeah. My name is Johanna Magnusson and I'm the site leader here at Kavidi in Uppsala. Uh, I'm been at Kavidi for two and a half years now. Uh little
0: bit of me. Mm-hmm. Okay. My name is John Reiske. As you said, I'm the CEO of Kaviti for the past 13 years. And um, I was born in South America, grew up in North America, educated in North America, and then most of my career in Europe. So multinational focus. And what I bring to Cavite is a commercial uh, emphasis and commercial focus, uh, trying to get our technologies out to ensure Maximum impact in the healthcare space with patients and doctors.
3: Thank you. Yeah, and I came to Cavite for two and a half years, as I said, uh, and that the focus was to build up the uh, uh, supply chain organization. Uh, I came from what is now Saitiva, uh, where I have a very broad background, uh, but now. At Kavide we changed the whole company since I came and it's very important to have this broad background for me because now I have quite a lot of roles actually. I'm the quality manager, taking care of all our ISO systems, taking care of all the personnel and to try to have the technical focus Mm. and drive in the company. So I think a broad background with a lot of experience and a great network. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm important. bringing yeah. to Kavidi. And what does a, a day-to-day look like
2: uh, for you? <laughs> or what could a day th- normal day look like? Yeah,
3: <laughs> I come to Kavidi uh, with uh, things I want to do <laughs> and everything change. <laughs> that's often what it happens. Uh but you know I, I'm quite um Doing a lot of the operational things to make all the stuff can handle the lab and the science so they can focus on everything else. So then I can take care of the finance that needs that not taking care of our CFO and so on uh, and make sure that we have everything in the office, but also all the management taking care of the people to see that they are doing the working in the right direction and so on how many hours a day do you work (laughs) 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 not so many (laughs) (laughs) i have worked much more before (laughs) (laughs) it's good to hear
1: and John, how about you? So, you have quite an international background. So, how, how did you end up at Cavite in particular?
0: Yeah, it's, a <clears throat> it's an interesting story because my background was in uh, engineering and business. And uh, I got involved with Cavite as a consultant, helping with uh, go to market strategies with this, that, at the time, CEO of Cavite. And he needed help raising capital. So, I brought in investors from the US and we did a lot of pitches together. They asked me to join the board, and then from the board position I was asked to take over the company in 2009 uh, with a mandate to grow the technologies and uh, be more internationally focused. So really looking outside uh, of Sweden and Europe uh, to the global markets.
2: And where are you positioned currently?
0: I'm in Malmo. Um, but that's, uh, mainly for travel's sake, because I do a lot of long haul flights from Copenhagen. Um, and I was, uh, with another company that was based in Malmo before Cavite. So, um, in the energy space. So, um, my day, if you ask about my day is focused very much on, um, uh, outside the company and how we, how we get the message out about our technologies and what we can do for patients. Yeah.
2: You tol- said something about energy. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, energy um, work in the engineering sense and also in the sales and marketing sense. We were commercializing a micro turbine, which was a combined heat and power system, very small from Volvo and ABB, small package that could be uh, developing power and heat, 100 uh, kilowatts, really anywhere. So this was very early in the energy rev- revolution space. Mm-hmm. So you kind
2: of switched uh, branches when you came to to Caviti.
0: Yes, but at the same time, there's so many similarities when you're trying to commercialize something, you know, and thinking about global markets and how do you penetrate them, and how do you build a brand, and how do you communicate that brand, um, both internally and externally. So I. I drawn a lot of my experience from the industrial space and the in- energy space in biotech now. So it's probably a, a good cross-pollination, but I spend a lot of time learning from the scientists about what, uh, what is important uh, for life science and, and health healthcare.
1: So you did a good job of convincing him of the the life science sector as well. Yeah. <laughs> you probably play a they big They keep role me grounded. <laughs> as, as an
0: American, I can tend to be kind of up in the in the ether, you know.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to hear how your backgrounds have kind of led to the point you're at today with Caviti. Um, and it'd be interesting to dig a little deeper into the company now. So cavite has been around for around 30 years. Um, And so it'd be interesting to hear about maybe about the history of Kaviti, like how has it started, how did it start, and Mm. how has it evolved to what it is today?
0: Yeah, I think maybe I can speak to that since I've been here longer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It started as a spinoff from Uppsala University, uh, two founders who were um, very successful in protein chemistry, uh, developed some uh, assays, um, both in the area of cancer and virus. And so that's where the name comes from. CaVD is Cancer and Virus Diagnostics. Okay. Um, but that uh, journey has uh, led to a number of changes in the organization over the decades. Um, we've always kept the viral focus at Cavite, uh, but there was a spinoff. Uh, one of the founders went and started BioVica, now a public company, very successful in their own right. Um, we're quite proud to have been together for a number of years. We still have a lot of contacts there and overlap in work we do together sometimes, collaborations. But there's a lot of overlap in the science in the reverse transcriptase uh, approach um, and, and what that means in immunoassays and, um, you know, and uh, testing for very, very small uh, molecule and um, biomarkers in, in, in blood samples.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, with the company being around for so long, how how has it changed? I can imagine it's had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, so what kind of hardships have you come across along the journey of of the development of the company?
0: Pretty much every hardship you can imagine yeah. as yeah. a startup, <laughs> which uh, has a long um, history of um I would say pivoting and focusing on what is uh, commercially viable, but also what is interesting on the scientific side. So uh, science um, is pretty much a random walk, if you want to consider it that. As I see it, you have to go down a lot of blind alleys to find something that is um, an innovation that the market will uh, need and and, uh, that, that will sell. Um, And so Kaviti's had its share of ups and downs, as you said. Uh, We've had a lot of challenges, but we've had the tenacity to continue to do the work and um, show up the next day and make the changes necessary to um, make the company successful and get the technologies out to a maximum number of patients. Um, Our focus has been on bottom-of-the-pyramid countries, low and middle income countries who don't have access to diagnostics. Uh, Our technology is very well suited for that. And that heritage will continue to play a big role in our growth. That's
1: great. It sounds like you come from a good background there. Um, Just based off of this as well, what would your advice be to other companies who are maybe also like, I mean, of course we just recently had the COVID pandemic that struck a lot of companies in a difficult way What would your advice be to other companies who face maybe similar hardships in this respect?
3: Yeah, you need to work with simplification. Uh, Do what's necessary and not the rest. Uh, Keep tight on your money uh, and do things that uh, your investors want to see. Try to, to do things that they can really see that have a benefit in the future and try to survive Mm -hmm. when it's hard times yeah Uh, sometimes it's really bumpy and you need to go with a have a little bit uh, less people less costs for a while
0: low burn yeah i mean the business case has to be fundable and uh to be fundable you have to have a, a not only a low burn but also uh a, a large prospect at some point that you can um, uh, expand and grow to a stage where you're making returns for your investors, but also the stakeholders in the company, maybe suppliers or employees or, um, you know, customers who have been along for a long time and, and supported us in the research space. So all of those things are important. And, and I think when you have to um, make a major pivot, like COVID demanded, you know, we were right in the point of launching a new product in sub-Saharan Africa and had to stop because all travel stopped. So our clinical studies uh, were stopped. Everything was stopped. Um, and we had to think about how we could apply our virus knowledge uh, into the COVID space, which we did. And because of the investments we made, um, we were able to translate um, the biomarker detection uh, system based on um, the the ELISA assay, uh, which is ubiquitous. It's used in every lab virtually across the world. Um, old technology, 1970s-based technology. And we were able to improve on that. Um, improved to a factor of 10, even up to a hundred times better sensitivity with the same ELISA systems. So it's very sustainable and very scalable. Um,
1: And so just for audience members who may not be familiar with the ELISA, so the enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay, um, how would you break this down to, to someone who maybe doesn't understand exactly what ELISA does?
0: Sure. It's, it's a blood-based assay, so it's a low-invasive um, sample collection, and then uh, what you're trying to do is tease out the biomarkers or the molecule of interest um, using proteins. And <clears throat> in this case, it's, it's very important to understand that um, to, to reach a large patient population who are today underserved, you need a simple test. And you need, you, you can't spend a lot on hardware and software and, and, and really advanced systems in, in these countries. So if you apply that uh, filter first, then, then you say, okay, what, what can we do with the ELISA system that everybody has? Um, and, and so what we've done is made it much more sensitive. So 10 to 100 times more sensitive, which is groundbreaking and also extremely disruptive If you look at the diagnostic space, now we have to scale that up, and we are pretty much uh, going with a license model, uh, which allows people to use the technology. We get a small royalty, so there's very uh, low risk, very low regulatory requirements for us, Uh, and uh, it's our customers that then take the technology to market on their products, which are ELISA-based assays.
1: And this is with your your new BOLD technology, right? Or Exozyme, as you call it, right? Yes. Correct? Yes. And you just recently had a patent improved on this. so Big big milestone for us. Big milestone.
2: Before we uh, dig into that, could you please uh, give us the elevator pitch of what it is that you do or sell? (laughs) For those who are not familiar with the industry. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, for a long time, uh, you know, diagnostics has been searching for higher sensitivity. That's, that's been, you know, uh, the holy grail for every technology, really. We, we found a way to make an existing technology that's already broadly applied and available much, much more sensitive, so ultra-sensitive. Um, and that brings new utility to those systems that are already in the, in the labs. So um, from that perspective, it's very low risk and very scalable. And um, from both an employee and an investor perspective, very interesting business to be involved with. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you have anything to add to that?
3: Yeah, I have to uh, add. Why is ultra sensitive so important? It's because now you're getting more and more drugs for, uh, so you can uh, handle when you have an early detection. So you need early detection, and you can also take drugs to don't get like for Alzheimer's and so on. So it will be big steps in, in the drug market. We can see it now coming, all these drugs, and uh, then you need to be able to early detect them. Before you didn't like to know that you ha- will have a- Alzheimer's since it's there's no drug for it. So you know you will be uh, packaged in the end. But now you can see that if I get this medicine early, then I can stop this.
0: And there you see the utility because, um, you know, we were in virus and HIV work with the same kind of assays. And now we're looking at neuroscience, cardiovascular disease, um, inflammation, cancer. All of those um, are opened up by this high sensitivity. So that, that in itself is a, is a huge advantage for, for us and gives us a lot of flexibility, but also a lot of opportunity to help more patients more broadly.
2: So you're not f- really focused on uh, one type of uh, detection. You exactly. Can, mm-hmm. it's,
0: it's really up to the customers um, where they're focusing uh, in the laboratories. And our technology gives them another tool to reach this ultra-sensitivity.
1: And so the focus here is to really try to move maybe healthcare in a way that's more preventative and proactive as opposed to reactive, correct?
0: Earlier and earlier. So if you can detect, for instance, Alzheimer's disease biomarkers in the blood, low invasive blood tests versus a spinal tap that they use today, it's um, less painful, uh, it's faster, it's um, certainly less invasive um and you can possibly start medications 10 years earlier with the smaller doses less side effects and you can put off the dementia cognitive impairment perhaps by 5-10 years that's a huge improvement for these patients and mm,
1: is that an application you guys are looking into right yeah. now into yes. the alzheimer's field yes yeah?
0: we are do-
3: so we have some collaboration with other companies uh, uh, and also with uh, Karolinska that we are talking with.
1: Yeah, it's a huge space, um, yeah. super exciting and very yeah. necessary. Where it seems like, of course, it's something that's not curative, and this is exactly what you would need mm. to, to detect those biomarkers, which are so minute in the beginning, and try to catch it catch it in the catch it early, basically. Um, so, I mean, it seems like it's been a long journey with Cavite. There have been tough times. Um, and I was just interested. Have you guys had any uh, defining moments in your time here? Like perhaps an interesting story or a kind of turning point for you guys uh, in your work at Cavite?
2: <laughs> Choose one.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <ahead>. One each. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: No, I mean, for me, it was like uh... Coming here, coming to Kavir, it was a journey in itself. I have been 20 years at the same company, a a very stable company. I I had my role, different roles uh, all over. But uh, then I come to this little, I I know it it will be a challenge. But the day before I was starting, I got a call and say, okay, uh, you know, we don't have so much money. (laughs) 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 We have money to pay your... uh, Um, to afford you until July. I started (laughs) the 1st of June. (laughs) It was like, okay, do you want to come anyway? I said, okay, I will start. (laughs) (laughs) That was my... Full disclosure. (laughs)
0: Full disclosure. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh, So, I mean, uh, when I went to vacation that year, it was like, I don't know if I have a work to come back to. Uh, But I had and... um, I had really great employees that that I could work with, and we started this journey to uh, d- decrease the the burn uh, and um, focus on what was uh, really what we had to deliver, and also have the all the employees happy <laughs> during this time because that's not so easy. No. Because I had to fire some of them.
0: Hmm. Yeah. We had a massive um, reorganization yeah. uh, when COVID hit, and all the markets were shut down, and we couldn't proceed. We'd bet the company on this investment of um, HIV viral load testing, which we were automating with a pretty advanced system called Ziva, uh, and and um, you know a significant amount of money invested. Um, and we had to think about, okay, how do we best use this, but also we have to retool the company around being smaller, having a lower burn, but also being very transparent with our employees about the situation. Um, so I think a lot of companies went through this uh, at the beginning of COVID. And being able to survive the period, I think, is a testament to both the employees, but also the, the um uh, the science and and uh, how robust it was to be able to change direction, uh, find applications that were relevant for the COVID pandemic, and then translate those again into broader based applications. Um, so that I, I would say that that was one of the biggest challenges for us and and for me as a CEO. Um, survival has always been in my dna <laughs> so <clears throat> it's um it's one of my strengths uh and and i think um it's it's one of Caviti's strengths as well
1: that's amazing it seems like a huge turning point for the for the both of you to for you johanna to have dived into this career and for you both to have managed this this tough area during COVID. it can't be easy for anyone so i was going to ask what are you most proud to have achieved? But I mean, this seems like a pretty big achievement in itself, right? Yeah,
0: it's manifest in the in the patent. But you know, we had a hundred international patents before uh, in Caviti on five different patent families. So you know, um, the IP part for us is very natural. Um, the fact that this is a new direction that has so many applications beyond just HIV. Um, but it also applies to viruses, and, and um, that's, a, that's an area of study that I think has tremendous uh, need uh, to understand and, and apply um, what we know from the HIV pandemic uh, into all future pandemics. Um, and it's an interesting thing, but you know, there's over 10 to the 31st power of viruses uh, in, in the world as we know it. Uh, and viruses predate uh, cells in terms of uh, development of life. Um, so and yet we know so little about them. and that's our that's our mandate is to is, is to take our knowledge and apply it uh, to that area because there will be more virus challenges in the future.
1: Exactly. So maybe your technology could help prevent the next yeah. pandemic. who knows? yeah.
3: Another thing I'm very proud of during this time is uh, that we can use the network uh, here in Uppsala. When we had to uh, fire some people, uh, they were really good people. Mm. But we could be referenced. We also have made calls to our network, and some of them were called up. And uh, we have a job for you. Do you want it? And and they were really happy. So there were, and uh, we were really happy to. To be able to
2: do that. Yeah. That really sounds good because it—it it was a, a situation nobody could predict, or you could maybe, but <laughs> it came, and that you were b- that you were able to to help your employees that had to go uh, is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and it maybe. really shows what what great leaders you are. That in the face of adversity, you're still able to continue providing for employees who maybe aren't working for you anymore, but you still have this. Close relationship with.
0: Well, it's a family-owned business, so we we run um, very much like a small startup, even though we've have decades of experience. Um, And um, so we we have that. I would say in in our values is to take care of each other and also support each other and work uh, as a team. Um, It helps to be small in that case. It gets harder as you scale up and you get many more employees. It's harder to maintain kind of the relation uh, understanding. Um, but I, I would say that uh, the family focus uh, has helped us through this time, because it's a long-term vision for the company, um, not just driven by numbers. Uh, the numbers have to come in, and we have to see a pathway to returns, which we do. Um, but, but you also have to be patient. The capital has to be patient. The team has to be patient and um, yeah, to put the work in.
2: Yeah, and you were jumping into my questions. What's your
3: vision and mission at (laughs) Kavidi? Our uh, vision is uh, to make uh, a world where all people have access to good quality of healthcare. And what uh, that means for us is to make uh, diagnostic accessible. And then, if you go into accessible, what does that mean? I mean, we are ha- looking at the lower middle income during our history, so it's a lot of the a. a it needs to be affordable. It n- need to be a clinical relevance. You shouldn't do a test that not necessary when you are in, in these countries, or you shouldn't do it in, in uh, any countries, maybe. Uh, but. It also needs to be comparable to the gold s- golden standard. It's not going to be any bad tests that we send to them. Easy to implement in the field. you don't ha- You can't afford to place all these uh, very expensive instruments in Africa, in the countryside, because they can't handle it. So that's uh, really important that they should have something they they can handle Mm. and they will get the correct data from that also. And they will have uh, results within a short time also. Mm. You can't wait for weeks because in Africa they come in and they can have a very long way to go to the doctor. Mm. And they can be a long way if you don't get uh, the answer within the same day. That's
2: a lot of obstacles to work
0: with. (laughs) It is, but it it, it really helps you to focus then on on what's important. I mean, our uh, technology lends itself very well to all of those variables. And uh, our vision, if you want to boil it down, is is to really make um, this ultra-sensitive capability to democratize it and make it as widely available as possible. Uh, to help as many patients as we can. And today, it's not just low- and middle-income countries that are struggling with health care, you know. Uh, All countries have a challenge to deliver health care, you know, at a good cost point, but also uh, to make sure that the population is um, well covered so you don't have disenfranchised, uninsured people who don't have access. So it could be, you know, anywhere that that can happen. So our, I think that our bottom-of-the-pyramid uh, approach, um, sort of reverse innovating uh, on that basis, um, is important for all markets. And now we see that even more so.
1: So it sounds like your vision is as bold as your technology is there. Yeah. Um, but now that you have... The patent improved for the bolt technology for the design platform what do you what do you foresee are the next steps in order to get a step closer to this vision
3: we need to get uh some customers that uh, will um launch a product with our technology that's the first step when we have that the first customer uh, launching a product i think they w- other customers we see what we are doing and what we are capable of doing,
1: and that's something you're in the process of doing right now.
0: Yes, we have multiple customers interested, and that discussion can take a long time because these are big companies, um, and it's a complex negotiation. Uh, but and we've had two years of uh, patent application and um, you know defining. Sort of uh, 21 claims that were all approved in the patent process. Um, and you can't really talk broadly about it until that's approved and you have the coverage. Now we have that, so we can really open up this discussion. And I would say, anybody listening to this podcast that wants ultra sensitivity in their immunoassays, uh, please come and talk to us because we can provide it at a very reasonable access level.
2: Is it anything more you would uh, want to uh, uh, add um, regarding the company or the products?
0: Something special. uh, I I would say that we owe uh, a big debt of gratitude to the community here in Uppsala. I mean, Uppsala Innovation Center has been there for us on multiple occasions. Um, We've been through the uh, incubation Stages uh, in commercializing the company and finding capital and finding the right partners and uh, all that is extremely important for small companies to have access to it at a reasonable uh, cost. Um, we, I would say that the the community and the broader um, life science uh, history of Uppsala too we've drawn on because a lot of the people we work with came from Fadia diagnostics, Came from Diagnostics, come from Thermo Fisher, come from uh, Life Technologies, where we've, uh, you know, sort of used their innovations to further our science, uh, whether it be magnetic beads or, um, you know, uh, any reagents we might need. All that has been important. So find you can find it right here in Uppsala. Um, I think... I just read that Sweden was the number one innovator in Europe. Um, And this is for a couple of years running, I think. Um, And that that's uh, very evident here, I think, in Stockholm, Uppsala area.
1: So, well, yeah, as you know, Stens is highly invested in the sustainable development of the ecosystem here. And as you kind of mentioned, promoting collaborations between other actors here and beyond. Um so with Cavidi being a global company what would you say are Uppsala's advantages for a company like Cavidi compared to other parts of the world that you've uh, come across
3: There are so many companies here in Uppsala in, within life science and you can learn from it. we can really learn from each other and help each other so, uh, all these growing companies we we learn every day uh, and um, we can take the best from each other without being competitive. Because many of us are not competitors. Mm. We are working side by side. Uh, and I think uh, with distance, uh, you give us the opportunity to meet. You give us the opportunity to to really network also. Uh, and there are also other uh, People here in Uppsala and companies here in Uppsala that help us with that. We have, I mean, we have the university here. We, uh, it's uh, great to have such a good university. All the big companies that uh, have all their spin offs and they acquire and sell out. And uh, that's why we have so much small companies here and uh, a lot of good people learning and jumping around uh, f- between all these countries and take the best with them.
1: And I think you've done well to, to collaborate and work with other actors, like you said, both in academia and industry. But I think you've also been good at kind of giving before you get. For example, I believe you, Johanna, worked in part with stories, which yes. we offer towards thesis students, for example. And that's something where you've helped promote students, for example. So what, what was that experience like working with students in Uppsala?
3: It's always good uh, to work with students because you learn a lot from them. They are young and enthusiastic uh, and want to learn and give another, uh, another perspective to us on, on our questions. Uh, and I think that's really something you need uh, when you are... Uh, getting a little bit stuck in in in, <laughs> in your because we were looking at the, o, some of our old products, uh, so we were a little bit stuck. And they could g- give us another perspective. Look at this uh, and see. Uh, and they also got a nice um, yeah. network behind them yeah. with all these professors, and they could reach out really uh, yeah. easy to them people that we could never have. Uh, connection to uh, would you please uh, describe for, for the listeners what stories is about? <laughs> oh yeah, it's a little bit uh, of a graduation project that they, the students have uh, so but they are a group of people that do a, a graduation work for ten weeks, uh, and then uh, and through students they are connected to companies who
2: offer real issues or problems yes. that they can help solve. Yeah.
1: So it sounds like it was a really mutually beneficial uh, experience. The fact that you you give students this opportunity, but then that they really have something to give back to you as an organization. and
0: yeah. It brings a diversity of thought, too. I mean, that's very important for Caviti. Um, we had at one point 14 different countries represented in the company. We still have quite a few. <laughs> And, and that's uh, important when you're trying to commercialize and build a business um, to have that diversity of thought. And students certainly bring that in, into the company.
2: And um, do you see how the ecosystem in Uppsala could be even better or maybe also if you could take even more advantage of the ecosystem?
3: It might be that we are a little bit Uppsala focused here. So we could uh, be a little bit more international, uh, broader. Yeah. And uh, do
2: you have an idea of how? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> you can call uh, me if you, <laughs> if you get an idea. <laughs> I,
0: I think it goes back to the, the concept of, um, you know, working abroad is a very important experience for anybody in their careers. Um, so sending people out into the world from Uppsala, I know it's very comfortable to stay here and there's lots of good opportunity in Uppsala, <laughs> but I would encourage um, listeners who are starting their career to look at international uh, opportunities and, and then bring back what you learn into the community and then you can make it more rich for everyone. Really good point.
1: And I think that, that makes a lot of sense coming from you having worked in a lot of different areas. Um, it's, it's of course, super important to also get a perspective outside of your own ecosystem. Sometimes we can get trapped in our own bubbles a bit. Um, and to get this outsider perspective, see what other countries are doing that maybe we're lacking here. Um, it's, of course, critical.
0: Dare to get out of your comfort zone yeah. is really important. I think, especially for the, uh, sort of the Swedish culture, um, where on and sort of being in the comfort zone, and everybody's comfortable. Um, the real learning happens in the areas where it, it feels difficult, and, and that means different cultures, different languages, um, different uh, business environments, um, different science environments. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in other countries, and we should reach out and, and understand those. So that's outside of the comfort zone, and it requires that you commit to that. But if you do, that's where all the learning really comes in.
1: Do you guys feel like you're outside your comfort zone at Cavite?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah? (laughs) Every day. I I have never learned so much. (laughs) It was the best
3: uh, career step I could take to move into a small company, because you have to learn so much you have to do everything by yourself where you had other people helping you to solve the issues now you have to learn okay how do do i have to do now and so on
1: yeah Yeah, it's a huge bold step that you took i mean not knowing how things were going to pan out but i mean two and a half years later and you're you're here like and it's It's gone well, and like you said, you've learned a lot for taking that step. And you, John, changing changing the path uh, totally and coming to
2: the life science uh, community. Um, It must have meant a lot of changes and learnings.
0: It does, and it's uh, definitely outside of my comfort zone. I I didn't do very well in life science when I was studying engineering. Mm -hmm. I I squeaked by my biology and chemistry requirements. (laughs) So it's a bit ironic, really, that I end up running a life science company. Um, But it shows uh, those that are listening that have challenges in those areas, don't let it ever put you off, because you can bring value later in your career, even if maybe you didn't excel in math or science or one of those areas. Um, So you never know what direction your life is going to take, and there's always multiple challenges um, from where you stand today. So I think that's important to to realize.
1: I think that's a great thing for all the listeners to take away with them. Is there anything else that you would like to give to the listeners? Anything? If there's one thing that you think the listeners should take away with them today, what what do you guys think it is?
0: Hmm. I believe it would be <clears throat> what what can uh, I do um, with my business that maybe could be opened up by high sensitivity. Um, And if there are people listening that have that need, uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, We have an opportunity to evaluate your assay uh, at uh, really minor cost, in some cases no cost, and to see what we can do uh, together uh, to make an ultra-sensitive assay that that might open up doors and and help a lot of patients that today are closed
1: okay it sounds like I mean you guys have had an amazing journey um, I think the listeners definitely take a lot away with them your experience of running through the hardships and making it work I think is going to be inspiring to all the listeners today and to hear about that even in hardship during that period I mean there's still room for innovation and just like you found or did come across this brilliant platform I think that's a great message for all the listeners uh, to take away with them as well. And thank you both so much for being with us today.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Thank Thank you you for
0: having us. It's been a pleasure.
2: This podcast series is developed and produced by Stunts Life Science. Stunts is a foundation creating sustainable growth through private public collaborations. Thank you for listening and for more information about this podcast and as well as about stunts, please visit our website, lifescience.stunns.se and follow us on LinkedIn where you will find us under our name.